Good morning, Centerway Church. My name is Meredith, and I'll be sharing a few things about our gathering today. First, though, welcome to all of you gathering on the live platform, and welcome to those watching or listening later. Whether you've been watching week after week or this is your very first time with us at Centerway, we're so glad you're here, and we'd love to connect with you. Here's some things to note. We are beginning today a brand new series, and it also happens to be a brand new book of the Bible. We have spent 33 weeks and five series in the book of Hebrews, and it was amazing. Uh, you can find all those messages in the series archive on the messages page of the website. But today we begin in 1 John. Now at Centerway, with each new book of the Bible, we provide scripture journals. And today we actually have a bookmark as well. Uh, since we can't gather though, we actually mailed these out this week. If you didn't get one, it's because you're not on our mailing list. But if you would like a journal and or bookmark, uh, you can certainly just email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com, ask specifically for a journal, bookmark, or both, and we will happily send you one. Every week we provide a message just for kids. They learn from the same text, but with a kid-friendly approach. We also have other resources for you like Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals and wallpapers to go with the messages. You can find all of that on our website. If you or someone you know needs assistance, email us at that same address I just mentioned, connect at centerwaychurch.com. We would love to assist you any way we possibly can. Now, if you're watching live, you can share your info, you can give, you can find previous messages, you can explore next steps, and you can ask for prayer right on this live platform. If you're watching or listening later, you can do all those things through our website. Well, today is a very special day. It's of course Mother's Day. And so we'd like to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. That said, we know that days like today can be tough. There are some of you out there longing to be a mom, some that have lost children, some that might just be missing their mom. Some of you have a difficult relationship with your mom or with a child. So we just wanna acknowledge that today is not a day of celebration for all of you. And if that's you, please know that you're on our hearts, you're in our minds. And again, we would love to help in any way we possibly can. Today, we are going to celebrate our moms uh, the way we, that we celebrated last year at Centerway. And that's by celebrating all women. Uh, Centerway has throughout the year uh, partnered with Convoy of Hope for various things um, and once again we will be giving to the Women's Empowerment Program. We also want to give you the opportunity to contribute to that as well and more on that in a moment. But here's a short video to give you an idea of where our funds will be going.
Wasn't that amazing? I'm so thankful for organizations like Convoy of Hope that are doing incredible work all over the world and for the opportunity that we get to partner with them. If you would like to give to the Women's Empowerment Program, just go to our website, centerwaychurch.com, and choose the Give tab. There will be a drop down for Women's Empowerment right there. If you're on our live platform, you can also do that on the Give tab right there. Thanks in advance for your generosity, Centerway. Here's what to expect today. In just a moment, Kelly will be reading the scripture for us. Claude will be communicating from the Bible and stick around after the message because Adam will let you know how you can worship today through song. Here's Kelly with the text for today. Good morning, Centerway, and happy Mother's Day. I hope you're enjoying this beautiful weather we're having in Rochester. My name is Kelly McFarland, and I will be doing the scripture reading for this morning. 1 John 1, 1 through 10. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it, and to testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. <clears throat> That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Good morning and happy Mother's Day. My name is Claude. My wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway and uh, we're really excited that you've chosen to be with us this morning. It's an eventful and exciting Sunday on a couple of levels. Uh, one, obviously it's Mother's Day as I've already mentioned, but it also is the beginning of a new series for us. In fact, it's the beginning of a new book for us as well. We just concluded the book of Hebrews and we're about to start a new journey in a series called Still Life. And what we're going to do is unpack uh, the first book of John. So first John. And um, as was already read, we're going through the first chapter this morning, verses 1 through 10. Specifically, this morning's message is entitled Transparency. So still life, transparency. And uh, as we kind of jump in this morning, uh, I want to set a little bit of groundwork. So I ask that you kind of be patient as I explain sort of the context of 1 John that will carry us through the next seven weeks as we journey together through this still life series. Um, 1 John is an epistle. And what that means really is just a fancy way of saying it's a letter. So what's unique about 1 John is that it's not written to a specific church, we believe. Uh, it's actually written to a group or a community of churches. And so it's referred to as an open letter. And so uh, the other thing that is important to understand about 1 John is who the author is believed to be. The author of 1 John is believed to be uh, the disciple John, who also wrote the Gospel of John. And the reason why that matters to us as we journey together is, is very evident on the front end, for sure, because the first four verses of chapter 1 talk about uh, a first-hand account, someone that saw Jesus, talked with him, touched him, you know, and so we're 
actually reading the uh, the recording or the words of someone that actually walked and talked with Jesus. And um, it's sort of important because if we better understand the, the context of this letter, we need to realize that a group of false teachers have kind of raised up in these this uh, community of churches. And what they've begun to do is uh, kind of question whether or not Christ uh, truly existed, whether or not he was divine. And so there are a lot of things that are kind of uh, sprouting up as an issue within these churches. It's heresy. And so First John is written to this community of churches to remind them of the person and work of Jesus, uh, to also help them have proper theology. And uh, for the purpose, of our journey specifically for the next seven weeks or so is that we would truly know who Jesus is and that we can abide in him, that we'll have the opportunity uh, to, to really function in a way that we can have a still life, where we can have a still life. And in the midst of uh, abiding and resting in the person and work of Jesus, we'll also realize that there's still life. So not only a still life, but there's still life, even in the midst of the rest, in the midst of the abiding. And so um, as we kind of begin this journey this morning, um, I'm kind of reminiscing a little bit on some of the trips that I have taken over the years. And one of the things that has been rather consistent in the trips that I've taken is uh, when I get where I'm headed, I end up renting a vehicle and then I use some app to uh, tell me where to go. And uh, there's one time in particular I had started a new app. I think it was called DriveX or something. And it was the first iteration. So I'm sure it's a wonderful app now. I'm not trying to, you know, or maybe it doesn't even exist. I don't know. Uh, but I was in uh, Louisville and uh, we, we were kind of navigating the city and it was serving us fine. Got to the hotel, all of that stuff in the rental car. And, and uh I had this great idea. I had a window of time um, in between meetings and I thought, you know what? What if I went to uh, the Louisville Slugger Museum, the, the factory and the museum and get a chance to see how bats are made in, and see and hold these Louisville Sluggers. And so it just seemed like a great idea at a perfect window of time. And so I get into the rental car. I know really nothing about how to get around Louisville. And so I put in the address and it starts to tell me where to go. It's amazing. Technology is incredible. You have this little map. And so I'm going down these roads I've never been in my life. And I know that the, the Louisville Museum is kind of in the inner city portion of, um, of Louisville. And so that becomes evident as I'm turning down some roads. I'm thinking, wow, this is kind of rough area. And uh, I've been in, in rougher areas. You know, I've been in downtown uh, different cities downtown, whether it means New York City or Philadelphia or Atlanta, like major metropolitan areas. And so I'm in Louisville and uh, going down these back roads, but it, it started to kind of get worse. And um, as it got worse, I started to get a little bit concerned, like, am I going the right way? And if you guys have ever followed, you know, Siri or whatever, you're wondering and you kind of laugh about like, is Siri bringing us somewhere to murder us all? Like, are we sure that, um, that we can really trust the directions that we're getting right now? And, uh, as we're going down this, uh, this road, all of a sudden, uh, I'm starting to really stick out like a sore thumb. I'm in a brand new rental vehicle and people are kind of looking at me like, are you lost? And I'm looking at them like, 
oh my gosh, I'm lost. <laughs> and so I'm starting to go down one-way roads and I'm looking at this map and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this thing is like really inner city. And uh, I'm looking around, I'm thinking, I don't even see this thing, like this factory. It must be way smaller than I realize. And so I turn down the side road and just as I turn, it says, you have arrived. And I'm looking and there's this kid playing basketball and he looks at me like, you're in the wrong place. And I look at him like, I'm in the wrong place. And so I'm parked in this one-way road. I'm thinking, I'm gonna die right here. Like I have been brought to this place to be murdered. And uh, I'm looking around I'm like, this is the way wrong place. And so I start to get a little bit unsettled as I'm looking around and people start walking towards the vehicle. And I'm sure that they didn't have bad intentions, but I was a little bit unsettled. I was furious that this app had brought me to the way wrong place. And so I just started to drive. And um, as I'm going along, I'm trying to flick through the app and I'm so annoyed. And I literally pull over into the first gas station that I see and I uninstall the app. Forget it, I'm done with it. I'm absolutely done with that app. Why? Because one and done. There's no way I'm gonna risk getting lost another time. And so the question I want to ask you as we move through the message this morning is this, why is it often difficult to trust someone else's direction? Why is it often difficult to trust someone else's direction? And the answer is rather simple. I know I'm talking about an app and not a person, but this applies to humans as well, even better to humans. It's difficult because it's risky. It's risky when we trust someone else's direction, especially when you've been burned. Like in the example that I gave, I literally deleted that app. That's why I don't even know if it's still an app because I, and it was a paid app too. I didn't even care what I paid for it. It was not correct. I needed it to be right, I needed it to be trustworthy, and so one and done, I was done with it. If you've been burned before, it becomes even more difficult to trust other people's direction. Like I mentioned, this applies to people as well. Trusting someone else's direction requires us trusting them. We have to trust them. But the stakes are higher when the situation involves any kind of risk, right? Even the smallest margin of risk, all of a sudden you're looking at the person like, can I really trust you? Can I really, really trust you? We don't only have to trust them as a person, we have to believe that they're for us, that they have our best interests in their mind, that our safety is their priority, depending on the situation at hand. You know, you might say, well, I completely and entirely trust my sibling or my best friend. Like, I can trust them about my spouse. Oh my goodness, I can absolutely trust them. But if they walk into a room with a plate of food and they're kind of shielding it and they go, close your eyes and try this, and they have a little bit of smirk on their face, do you really trust them? <laughs> Especially if that spouse is me. <laughs> you just shouldn't open your mouth, Meredith, because, well, you already know it. I don't have to tell you. The, the fact is, you can have someone best interest at hand, but there's certain situations and moments where maybe for their entertainment, they might get a laugh or joke around. Like, you can only trust them so far. Listen, we're talking about vulnerability. We're talking about vulnerability, and nobody likes that word. Nobody's like, you know what? I think I want to be vulnerable today. You know what would be awesome? If I just put my guard down, just opened up my life, and let people hurt me intentionally for their own amusement, their own joy, vulnerability, fun. No, of course not. If we're honest, in these types of situations, we only really and truly trust 
ourselves. That's it. We only trust ourselves. At a very young age, we're taught that we need to look out for number one. Look out for yourself. Stand up for yourself. Don't let people push you around. Don't let, listen, you don't have to deal with that. Defend yourself. Look out for number one. And honestly, it's not a difficult lesson to learn because it resonates with us as humans. It makes sense, whether we're Christians or not. And I realize we have people all over the spectrum that are kind of tuning in this morning, whether it be live or afterwards on the podcast or video cast. The reality is, as humans, we are born with survival instincts. It's a healthy human condition to want to live. And because we know how much we love ourselves, we think we can trust ourselves that we are the most trustworthy people we know. I know when the rubber hits the road, I can always count on myself to not let me down. I am my own best friend, right? I don't know that that's always true though. I mean, there was a season of my life where I absolutely loved custard. It was the first time I had ever really tried it, which was bizarre because it was later on in my life. But I tried custard and I thought, oh my gosh, this is like God's gift to humanity. It's, it's incredible. It's amazing. And I actually thought, you know what? I bet custard is healthier than ice cream. I mean, because ice cream is ice cream. We know that's unhealthy, but custard, that should be healthier to the point where I didn't even investigate it. I just determined that it was healthier and I gorged on it. I ate so much custard, just convinced that it was healthy for me. And the reality is it's not. I was told laughingly by a group of people that it is far unhealthier than ice cream. I was like, what? You're kidding. But I had deceived myself. I had deceived myself. Why? Because I wanted it. I wanted it and I wanted to feel good about wanting it. So I was just lying to myself. You know, we do that a lot. We lie to ourselves a lot. We want to be in charge of our own lives. We want to decide between what is right and what is wrong. Why? Because we bear the consequences of our own decisions. So you know what? Leave me alone. I want to do it. I don't care if it's right. In fact, if it's wrong, I'll justify it. I get to decide what's sin and what's not. I remember as a teenager talking to friends and being like, I don't know. I think that's kind of like a gray area. We just want to justify even the sin of our lives. But what if we're wrong? What if you're wrong? What if you trust yourself and you're wrong? Hmm. We want so bad to be in charge of our own lives. But what if we're deceiving ourselves? What if we're deceiving ourselves for the direction of the sin we want to go in. We want excuses for the direction, for the choices, for the decisions that we make. The places that sin is taking us. We say, you know what? I almost want to deceive myself because I just, I want to do this. I deserve it. Whatever ridiculous thing we tell ourselves in those moments. Verse 5 begins to address what it looks like to walk in the light. It says this, after establishing the fact that that John actually knew and spoke with Jesus. He goes on and says in verse 5, This is the message we have heard from him, meaning Jesus, and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. 
pretty self-explanatory, right? God is the only one without sin. That's it. He is light. Goes on, verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say... Now, this is the first of three statements that start this way, literally with, if we say. And what it's establishing is we say one thing, but we live another. If we say this, and yet we live that way. So if we say we have a relationship with God, if we say we have fellowship with him, a relationship with him, Sorry, I just lost my spot. <laughs> we say we had relationship with him. While we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say we have relationship with God while we walk, while we live the lifestyle of sin, the lifestyle that we want to justify, and we, we justify, you know what? It's not that bad. I mean, I'm not killing anyone. I mean, it's not nearly as bad as those people. Have you seen what they've done or, or the things I've stopped doing? Oh my goodness, can you imagine how bad it used to be? If that's where we find ourselves, it says here that we're not practicing truth. That we do not practice truth. We lie. We lie to ourselves, deceiving ourselves to make excuses for the direction our sin is taking us. Here's the thing. We're not deceiving God. We're not tricking him. We're, we're not saying, God, I, I love you so much, but, but I still want to live this way, but we're good, right? I mean, I mean, we're good, right? He's not like, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I, I'm kind of a stupid God. <laughs> so, you know, if you just tell me that you love me, but you live like you don't, I'll totally be fooled. Of course not. We aren't deceiving anyone but ourselves. In fact, maybe on our best days, we're deceiving some other people. But ultimately, even that falls by the wayside. People will see through our actions and realize eventually what our motives are. Verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But, but... If we walk in the light, if we live in line with the gospel, if we don't just simply say that we love the Lord, but if we actually live our lives in line with the gospel, what? We have fellowship with one another. The outflow of fellowship means we live in biblical community. Biblical community means transparency about our mess, about our brokenness. Like part of living in line with the gospel means that as we walk in the light, we reveal the messiness of our sin to others. We risk vulnerability of the reality of our sinful nature. And as a result, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Cleanses us. If we move on, verse 8 says, if we say, there's another one, the second of three. If we say we have no sin... We deceive ourselves. Huh. There it is. Isn't that interesting? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we're without sin, we deceive ourselves and there's no truth in us. Listen, 
here's a scary reality. We can deceive ourselves. I said it before, I established it, but now scripture is saying that we can, in fact, deceive ourselves. We can justify the sin of our lives. We, you, I, we're sinners. We're sinners. Get this. It's our nature. You and I have sin before we do sin. Think about that for a second. Our nature is sinful. It means we have sin before we do sin. Sometimes people think that, that sin is like this, this exterior thing, that it's this, this act. And what scripture is trying to, to tell us and what John is trying to ring our bell is like, listen, your nature is sin. So even if you choose not to do sin in that moment, you are still a sinful person. We're sinners saved by grace. Humanity has a fallen condition. It's, it's why we're capable of such horrific things. It's why we turn on the news or we look at a feed on social media and we go, oh my gosh, how in the world? Who would, who would do that? Fallen condition. Okay, so a little review. We only trust ourselves, but... We deceive ourselves. Our nature is sinful, and it gives us also the propensity to choose sin and then justify it. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> We're all doomed, right? That sounds like the most depressing line of thought ever, but it's the reality. And it's important for us to allow the reality of our condition, of our circumstances, of our situation. We have to let it settle into our hearts and minds because we have to understand the problem. We have to understand the depth of the problem because if we don't come to grips with the depth of the problem, we will live our lives deceiving ourselves. Verse 9 says this, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just when we were doomed, <laughs> just when we thought through the progression of the broken reality that we live in, verse 9 comes on the scene and says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Get this. Authentic Christian living is not about presenting ourselves as sinless. As, as people that are without sin or above sin. Mm, I remember when I used to struggle with sin, brother, sister. Mm, it was tough. But now I'm above all that. I don't sin anymore. I stopped being human last week. It was amazing. The Lord set me free. He can set you free too. You're deceiving yourselves. It's the biggest lie in Christendom. There's a name for it. It's called moralism. Moralism says you can, you can be moral. You can be a good person. And after all, golly shucks, why would God ever send a really good person to hell? Because your nature is sin. And sin separates us from God. Moralism is self-deception. Now, authentic Christian living is honest and ongoing acknowledgement of our sin. 
as, as we function with transparency in a community of people that are just as broken as we are, that realize we're human and that we're all dying of the same sinful disease as we kind of link arms and lean into the presence of God and abide in Christ. God does two things. He forgives and cleanses. That's what scripture says. That if we are, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Forgive. It means cancels our debt cancels our debt. The debt that we have of sin, he forgives. Secondly, cleanse. Cleanse means that which is, is blocking us from fellowship with God is removed. The thing that, that puts distance between us and God is removed. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. Get this, both verbs used here in the Greek are aorist subjunctive. And what that means is that in their tense, in that form, it means that forgiveness and cleansing are complete because of one single action that took place in the past rather than ongoing. It means there was one single moment in time that allows Jesus to come and forgive and cleanse. Because Jesus lived in the light, died the death that we deserve, and rose from the dead. Because of that, because of that, you and I can be forgiven and cleansed as we confess our sin. As we continually ongoing confess. You see, the work of redemption is done. But if we would just abide in Christ, if we would just confess the brokenness of our nature the things that we are deceiving ourselves. When we come to the end of ourselves, you and I can be forgiven and cleansed. We can and must rest in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We must abide in him. We must have still life. Just, it's done. Jesus has accomplished what it is that we need. He's done the work. In verse 10, the chapter kind of closes with the third and final, if we say. It goes on and says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. John just says, listen, in case you still don't get it, in case you don't understand what it is that I'm talking about, I'm talking about the tension between moralists and Christians. Moralist justifies their sin and doubts God's love for them. If, if you're wondering this morning, if, if you're more of a moralist than you are a Christian, do you doubt God's love for you? Because moralists say something like this to themselves. How could he possibly love me? How could he possibly love me? If you think the thought of how is it that God could possibly love you, it's because you're trying to earn his love and in your heart and in your mind, you know that you're not performing nearly well enough even for yourself, let alone for an almighty God. And ultimately, moralists will put distance from God. They'll trust in themselves, their most efforts. They'll try harder. 
They'll lean into behavior modification. But Christians, a Christ follower, realizes the depth and the depravity of their own sin. And they're transparent with God. They say something like this. I'm way more loved than I ever thought possible. You see, only someone following Christ could come to the end of themselves and realize, in and of myself, I'm so broken. And yet, God loves me in spite of my brokenness. When we realize the depth of the problem and acknowledge that Jesus has solved what we could never solve for ourselves, we run to him. We run to him because we can't believe that love like that is possible. We call it good news. The idea that God himself loves us in spite of who we are. That he's faithful and just to to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We're way more loved than we ever believed possible. And we trust in him. Lean in. It's easy to be vulnerable to one that loves us that deeply, that undeservingly. And so this morning, the choice is ours. The choice is yours. What will you choose? There's really three choices. You can deny the Lord. You can say, you know what, I'm going to trust in myself. You can remain a skeptic. And if you're on that journey, I want to encourage you to continue to ask questions, continue to investigate. You could lean into trusting yourself and your own behavior. Be more moral. Pull up the bootstraps and be tougher, be better, behave. It's exhausting. Eventually, you'll come to the end of yourself. Or you can just risk transparency. Still life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to abide in you. I'm going to risk being transparent with you, God. I'm going to tell you the struggles of my heart, not because you don't know them already, but because I need to put voice to my own depravity and come to grips with the ways that I've justified and, dece- and deceived myself. Lord, here's the lesser version of my life I'm settling for. Would you come and forgive me? Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You see, we say every week that the text requires something of us. And this morning, I want to challenge you with this question. The question is this, where in my life do I need to be transparent with God? Where in my life do I need to be transparent with God? And if your first thought is, I don't need to be transparent with him, I'm transparent with him everywhere, you're deceiving yourself. Because the scripture says there's parts of our heart that are desperately wicked. And we are all with sin, which means we are all trying to justify something. Now, maybe it's not an outward, obvious sin. Maybe we've gotten to the place that we're working through that. But are there areas of our lives where where we have idolatry? Where we worship comfort over the creator? Where in this season, we think about what we're entitled to or what we deserve And this self-righteousness rises up within us. This anger, this frustration. Would we just be transparent with the Lord? So this morning, as you consider your application, maybe transparency looks like surrender. Maybe transparency means saying, Lord, 
I've lived my life for myself enough. And so I want to cross that line of salvation this morning. And if that's you, it's as simple as a prayer that you can pray in the quietness of wherever you find yourself at this moment. Let's just go something like this. Lord, I'm a sinner, but I know that you died for my sins. And so I confess that I'm a sinner to you. I ask you to forgive me. Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. It's that easy to begin a relationship with the Lord this morning. If that's you and you've prayed that prayer, our greatest hope is that you would reach out and let us know. You can click a prayer request right now if you want so you could have a separate chat with someone that's standing by to be able to talk through the next steps if you find yourself part of our live platform. If you're not part of the live platform, you can email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com and we'd love to give you next steps. For others of us this morning, maybe you've crossed that line of salvation, but what does it look like for you to to be transparent with God? Maybe it looks like a season of of repentance, of being able to, to close yourself away after the kids are in bed, if you find yourself suddenly homeschooling until the end of the school year or whatever that looks like. And if you're a mother on Happy Mother's Day, maybe it looks like putting them to bed or whatever that looks like and going into a private spot somewhere in your home or apartment or whatever and and just going through the list. God, these are the areas of my life that I just need to, I need to lay before you. I need to process through. I need to repent of the things that, that I've found comfort in apart from you, the things that I've lied about, the things that I've deceived myself. No one even knows the struggle of my own heart, but you, Lord. Maybe your next step looks like one-on-one discipleship. The opportunity to ask somebody to spiritually coach you in this season, we can do that virtually or whatever that might look like so that we can come alongside you and and just walk you through the next steps as you're just transparent with the Lord, but also in community. In fact, we have circles. You could sign up for circles in the next step area. There's there's a whole mess of options as you navigate next steps. And so I just want to encourage you to do that, to, to try to figure out what your application could look like as you process where in your life you need to be transparent with God. Maybe it just starts by calling sin, sin. Stop trying to justify it. Explain it away. Make reasons for it. Just call it what it is and ask the Lord to forgive you. We want to be here with you as a community as you navigate the days and weeks ahead. We're so grateful that we have the opportunity to journey with you. And so just want to encourage you to continue to lean in and to process what it looks like to abide in Christ. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we want so desperately to be vulnerable someone we know loves us, trusts, God, that we can trust them. So Lord, we pray this morning that you would help us realize that we can trust you, that you are trustworthy. And Father, as we lay our hearts and minds open before you, I pray that you would come and move in a divine way, that you would shed lights into the the dark recesses of our hearts and mind. God, that you would come and do a work that only you can do. We simply declare ourselves available. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're excited to continue in this series as we move through 1 John. And so we hope to see you next week. Hi, I'm Adam. Here to share ways to respond to the word and worship. 
We want to encourage you to spend time with the application question that Claude just shared and worship by devoting time just by being with God. There are many ways to worship, giving, taking next steps, and serving are a few. If you're with us on the live platform, in just a moment, we also get to worship together through song. If you're watching or listening later, you can listen to the songs from the set on Spotify, search Senaway Church, and look for our Still Life playlist. For those with us live, we'll give you a minute or two to join us on Instagram Live or Facebook Live to worship and song together. We'll see you over there.